0: S.E.P. Fanfic Readings presents What the Room Requires by Olivia Reckham. Chapter 8 You'll remember me When the West Wing on the fields of body. You'll forget the sun In his jealousy Day One Hermione When I opened my eyes, I was lying on my back in the soft grass of the willow room. I didn't have to look around to sense that I was alone in here. I sat up and ran my hand through my hair. Now it made sense why I wasn't tired, or dirty, or sore, or hungry, but it still felt strange. It would take some getting used to. The wind rustled the willow, gapping the curtain just enough to let me see flashes of gold. I got up and stepped through the branches. I squinted against the rich sunlight, and then my eyes widened and my mouth fell open. The barley field went on forever. All the way to each horizon, the waving barley reached like the ocean. Somehow it reminded me of the way Kansas might look in the summer. Either that or heaven. I spotted Draco, a white mark on the golden canvas. He was walking, hands in his pockets, casting his gaze across the field. I started toward him, then stopped myself. I closed my eyes, bit my lip, and reminded myself of everything I had told myself last night. I was going to try to get Draco to talk to me. Therefore, that would not include any sort of interrogation or prodding. I knew enough about boys to realize that if they didn't want to talk about something, they would just leave if you asked them to direct question, and then would sullenly clam up the next time you raised the subject. Instead, I had to attempt to make conversation with him without sounding purposeful. And above all, and this was going to be the hard part, I was not going to argue, contradict, insult, fight, scowl, or name-call. Ever. No matter what he said. I opened my eyes and braced myself. This was going to be very difficult. I started forward into the barley. The wind greeted me. I could almost hear it say, Good morning. I halfway smiled, running my fingers over the tops of the stalks. My footsteps crunched rhythmically as I walked, my hair bouncing on my shoulders. Ahead of me, Draco paused and glanced upward. I clenched my teeth, trying not to lose my nerve. Okay, so I wasn't supposed to insult or degrade, but what was I supposed to say? I slowed down and pulled off a bit of grain, then began to pick it apart. I stopped about thirty feet away from him and swallowed. He was still gazing upward. I swallowed again and cleared my throat. There was nothing for it. Draco turned and looked at me. I jumped. He looked back upward. Did you ever see clouds here before? I blinked, then glanced up. Suddenly, my breath was stolen. High, billowing, pure white clouds dotted the blue sky. Some were thick thunderheads. Others were wispy tendrils. Others looked like soap suds. All were sorted through with their shafts of brilliant sunshine. No, I managed. I believe the sky was clear before. Draco didn't answer. Still looking at the sky, he started walking again. I hesitated, then started after him. It was so weird, walking at this distance from the willow without the forest standing on my right. I had never strolled through the middle of a field like this before. For a very long time, I trailed behind Draco, snapping off pieces of barley with my fingers and pulling them apart, tossing them down and starting over. I walked close enough behind him that he would know I was there, but not so close that he would get annoyed. I traced him as we made a wide circle around the willow. He always kept it to our left. Then, when we'd made one whole lap, he slowed down again and stopped. I stopped. Draco said something, but the wind snatched it away. I straightened. What? He didn't repeat himself. I shuffled my feet for a moment, then closed the distance between us. What? I said again, when I was about five feet away. Draco just stared upward, frowning at the sky. What do you suppose this is, this big field, and all these clouds? He asked. It doesn't worry me like before, but I'm not sure it's good. I don't know. I bluffed, searching the same sky he was. I canted my head, watching him for a moment, and tried something. I think that one looks like a pig. He turned his head, and his brow furrowed. Which one? That high one, there, I pointed. By the three wisps? See? It has the sun on top of it. Don't be thick, he snapped, lowering his head, turning and walking away. Annoyance boiled inside me, until— It looks like a sheep, he said. My eyebrows shot up. My mouth worked for a moment. I was so startled. A sheep? I cried, starting after him. Why? Look at the tail, Granger, he replied. Pigs have little curly tails, and sheep have long fluffy ones. I squinted up at the clouds, still stumbling through the high grass. I don't see any kind of a tail. Look at the blinking rear end, Draco spun around and tossed his head in that direction. Or don't sheep have tails in muggle land? Rear end, I said, gathering up all my wit, holding my amusement. Were you looking at the head? Oh, for the love of—who taught you how to look at clouds? Draco marched on ahead. I smirked, then made myself bark back. Nobody taught me how to look at clouds. Then perhaps somebody should. Oh, I said, trotting up to stomp beside him. Who? You? At least I can tell the rear end from a front end. He shook his head. He looked up and pointed to the great thunderhead in the distance. See that? That one's a pirate ship. No, it isn't, I replied, just to say it. It's a castle. You're balmy. You're blind. Draco snorted, and for just a split second, I saw him almost smile. I congratulated myself and inwardly changed the rules. It was perfectly all right to argue about pigs and clouds. Draco It was easier to be a little more cheerful in the broad daylight. When the sun was bright and the memory of the living nightmares could almost be ignored. But when the sky started to turn a dark purple, even though it was warm out, my gut went tight, and I had to retreat to the willow. Even though she didn't say anything about it, and hadn't spoken for several hours, thank God. I knew Hermione felt the same, because she followed me after a while. And now I sat by the useless clock where I usually did. Hermione laid a few paces from me on her side, her back to me curled up in a ball. I wasn't tired. I didn't know why she should be either, but she certainly looked like she was trying to sleep, at least until I saw her shoulders shudder and a small gasp escape her. I frowned. What? Nothing, she said in her watery voice. I waited, looking at her sideways, but she didn't say anything. I tucked my pillow behind me and leaned back and closed my eyes. But she was crying. I could hear it. She was trying hard to keep the spasms in her throat quiet, but it was almost silent inside the willow. I glanced over at her and bit the inside of my cheek. I didn't like listening to crying. Especially when her posture reminded me too much of that vision I'd had of her after I called her a mudblood. What is it? I pressed, irritated. I don't want to fall asleep, she whispered. I lifted an eyebrow. Any particular reason? For a long while, she didn't say anything. Her head lowered. Her face turned into her pillowed arm. Then she spoke. I could barely hear her. You wouldn't do that to Ron and Harry. It was a statement, but it felt like a question. A question that twisted me inside. I glanced down at my hands in my lap, at the blue light glinting against my ring. Listen, Granger, I said, keeping my voice hard. I hate Potter, and Weasley makes me sick. Yes, I've sometimes entertained thoughts of cracking them over the head with something heavy, or poisoning their food, or knocking them off their brooms. I paused, took a breath, and kept my tone smooth, even though admitting it filled me with shame. But honestly, I couldn't look them in the eyes and just murder them. I gave her a sideways look for just a second, then scowled. Feel better? She didn't answer, but she did stop crying. I leaned my head back again and gazed up at the tall willow, and tried to sleep. Hermione. I couldn't stop my shaking, or my tears. I'd been able to put that vision behind me during the day, but now, just laying here, with darkness all around me, it kept flooding my head and I couldn't get away from it. I was incredibly embarrassed I was crying in front of Draco, again. But it was useless to fight it. I felt sick, sluggish, like my blood was full of lead. Maybe Draco was right. Maybe there had been something terrible in the mist. Draco's admission that he wouldn't kill Harry or Ron had put a hitch in my dreadful thoughts. But as the silence stretched on, that little comfort faded away, and a terrible ache settled inside my chest. I shifted, feeling like I had a fever, and tears filled my eyes, blurring my vision. I sucked in a breath. My throat closed and I choked, and I shakily swiped at my face. I swallowed hard and did not turn over. Are you awake? I called hoarsely. What? Hmm? Are you awake? I asked again. I am now, thank you, came the gruntly reply. I heard him sigh heavily. Still having trouble sleeping, are we? I gulped. I feel like I'm going to be sick. I shuddered. Well, for heaven's sake, go outside to do that, Draco ordered, and I heard him either get up or move further away. Don't be ridiculous, I said through trembling lips. What would I even throw up? I haven't eaten anything. He didn't have an answer for that. I closed my eyes, trying to calm down. Sing, I said. What? He said it like I'd spoken Greek. Sing a song, I said, squeezing my eyes shut. You're barking, he scoffed. It's part of the magic, I insisted. I sang to you when you couldn't sleep, and the gold lights covered you and you got to rest. I swiped at my face again. So you owe me. Wha? When was that? A few nights ago, or whenever that was, I shivered hard. Sing. You can't be serious. When am I supposed to—I don't know. I said through clenched teeth, getting desperate. I don't care. I heard him growl. I'm not going to sing, Granger. That's pathetic. Please? I whispered. For a long while, he was silent, and I didn't think he was going to help me. Then he muttered something resigned under his breath that I couldn't understand, and took a low breath. See her how she flies. Golden sails across the sky. Close enough to touch. But be careful if you try. Draco was not a singer. His voice was rough and low, and he didn't dwell on the notes. But he hit them, and as the song went on, his tone grew softer. Though she looks as warm as gold, The moon's a harsh mistress, The moon can be so cold. I began to relax, but then he stopped. I swallowed and drew my arms closer to my chest. Keep going, I breathed. He paused, but when he began again, his voice was stronger, and the warmth began to creep over me. Once the sun did shine, Lord, it felt so fine. The moon a phantom rose through the mountains and the pines, and then the darkness fell. The moon's a harsh mistress, it's so hard to love her well. My eyes drifted shut, my muscles loosened. But as I listened, his voice surrounded me, and a deep, heavy melancholy sank into my heart. I fell out of her eyes. I fell out of her heart. I fell down on my face. I tripped and missed my start. I fell and I fell alone. And the moon's a harsh mistress. And the sky is made of stone. I tried to open my eyes, but I couldn't. A deep blue light covered my vision for a moment, and then I fell asleep. It was peaceful sleep, yes, but as I faded down, a deep, sinking sadness washed over me, and a single tear ran down my nose before I remembered nothing else.